The final chapter in this big, beautiful beast is messy. Sahara, who'd been the Big Day Out manager for 18 years, left in 2010. A year later, festival co-owner Viv Lees quit. And there was more to come. Burnout, buy-ins and bust-ups. Big Day Out would be brought to its knees. Episode 5. Give it away now. Behind the scenes, the Big Day Out team had suffered some setbacks. But the music fans didn't know that. We still rocked up for an unforgettable day of music and mates. Hey, we're Big Day Out! Hey, I'm at the Big Day Out and it's about 30,000 degrees out here. Yeah, it's bloody hot out here, man. We drove 18 hours from Townsville to be here today. Twenty twelve was the year of Soundgarden and Kanye West. It might not have gotten out through the gates like that, but it did pick up and it was actually a brilliant year. Flash. Light, light. When he came up on the cherry picker, you know, at that moment at the start of the set. I mean, even people who had not been fans, you couldn't deny what an incredible show it was. It was it was phenomenal. Johanna Greenway says Kanye's tour requirements were next level. I don't remember the brutal details of it, but everything had to be white in his area. Like if it was off-white, it wasn't okay. And then there were things like he had to have presidential suites booked and he had to have a fleet of specific model Mercedes-Benz cars. But the biggest problem for us with requests like that is because we didn't know when he was going to pick and choose to stay where he was going to stay, booking the presidential suites, they're not refundable. So that tour in so many ways was like just taking a wheelbarrow full of money and tipping it out in the street. They lost a stack of money on 2012. They'd also lost two of their key organisers. But Ken decided to push on. I remember Ken saying to me, I'm not going to let this go down the toilet. And it was great. It was like, okay, all right. We foolishly went ahead. You can understand Ken's determination. He'd built this thing from the ground up. He'd lived and breathed it for 20 years. But to keep it going, he'd have to buy Viv's 50% share. I went in and called everyone together and started to look at our numbers and everything and our forecasts. And then I, I started writing an information memorandum. Adam Zamet worked on sponsorship for the Big Day Out since the late 90s. When Ken needed to buy Viv out, Adam went on the hunt for a new business partner. I had the support of Ken and the rest of the Big Dap team to do it because it was everyone's livelihoods and the future of the event was on the line. Despite local interest, 
three Texans called Charlie, Charlie and Charles and their company, C3, landed the deal. I really liked the Charlies, genuinely good guys, they're music people. They believed in the brand, they'd always admired the brand. It was, along with Lola, the original international touring festival. Ken had his new business partner. With C3's decades of experience running Lollapalooza, the Big Day Out 2013 was in safe hands. Lollapalooza and Big Day Out, it was a similar philosophy you know, in a similar trajectory. So it was really kind of like really amazing in the world that the two worked together for a little while. The 2013 lineup had that classic Big Day Out DNA. Big names like the Chili Peppers and the Killers. Cool bands like Yeah Yeah Yeahs and Vampire Weekend. Artists on the Rise, Falls, Childish Gambino. They had to cut costs and lose the New Zealand leg, but it was a much needed reboot and ticket sales were strong. Hi, I'm really looking forward to seeing Yeah Yeah Yeahs in Crystal Castles. They're going to go off. Red Hot Chili Peppers! Looking forward to seeing Nicky Ramirez. Really, really keen to see Grinspoon. And we're here to see Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, Chili Peppers, Yeah Yeah Yeahs, Grinspoon. Everything about up until mid-2013 was such a fantastic relationship and such a great outcome for what was a very difficult period. I used to say the simplest thing to people is what happened to the big day, I said it collapsed under its own weight. Ken and C3 started booking bands for the 2014 tour. C3 wanted Pearl Jam. The Charlies had great relationship with the band and they had a lot of success with that band in South America and it was a close relationship. Booking Pearl Jam was bittersweet. They were meant to headline in 2001 but cancelled and were replaced by Limp Bizkit at the last minute. Now was their chance to bring them out. So there's this history, then Pearl Jam's back on the table. Pearl Jam comes in at a big price and that's a lock. But everyone feels good about it because like, well, you know, you never know. When it came to booking the second headline act, Ken and C3 couldn't agree. Ken wanted Blur, but... The Americans want Arcade Fire, pretty sure they can get it, have good relationships. But Ken was blue and they want Arcade Fire. And we can't afford both. We never could afford both. Whoever locks in their artist first wins. Ken flies to Mexico to meet with Blur. Deal doesn't close there, but feels good. 
we were literally sitting around the office and it would have been after midnight and it was in a very short period of time that both on that same night that Arcade and Blur confirmed. Then all of a sudden we have a headline bill because no one's backing down and both the booking agents are saying, no, no, we're locked. So we have three headliners. A headline bill which demands this festival break records to break even. Now, in no business do you have your break even set against breaking records. Underneath that, we've also got Kendrick Lamar and Macklemore Ryan Lewis locked in, which actually looks like a really good bill now, right? It does, except. When I finally got a lineup together that was going to be really expensive, but it was going to work, the heart of it got pulled apart when they moved the Grammys onto the Australia Day weekend because of the Russian Winter Olympics. So you've got to deal with every act that might be on the Grammys because they don't know yet or might want to go, can't commit. So we lose Kendrick Lamar, Macklemore, Ryan Lewis. And it just wasn't coming together. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> the months leading up to the 2014 Big Day Out were rough. Ticket sales were terrible. Artist fees were astronomical. And the second Sydney show had to be cancelled. There was so many things being chipped away at it. Something was dying and a lot of ugly things had to be done to try and save it. The Charlies, who didn't return our request for an interview, had appointed Adam as CEO. It was part of my role in the leadership of it. It was part of my uh, what I owed Ken to keep the heart ticking. Staff were sacked, the Melbourne and Sydney offices were merged, cheaper contractors were hired. But it wasn't enough. And Ken West was about to lose everything. The reality was when the 2040 went on sale, there was going to be a significant loss. Well, it felt very, 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 very broken. Like you're trapped in a cave. You can see the light somewhere, but no, you can't get there. If Ken had worn that loss, it would have left him in a very, very bad position. That's it. I'll go broke. Let's cancel it. Blame me. See you later. A very bad position for the rest of his life, arguably, and um, he'd put 20 years into this thing. I couldn't conceive of him walking away in a devastating state. I kind of hoped somebody might be able to save it, but I kind of knew what it was. He'd been financial support of a lot of people. He'd lent a lot of money over the years to people that he never got back. He'd supported many people with that business and that idea, and he'd been one of the most generous people I'd ever met. So I put forward an idea. Adam called and wanted me to, you know, come and meet with Ken. I met with Ken and then, you know, he wanted me to meet with the C3 guys and... Uh... I think AJ would buy this from you. AJ Matter. The former Big Day Out employee who is now in charge of multiple rival music festivals. In the meanwhile, I had, you know, everyone whose opinion I value saying, run for the hills, don't do this. And that money would cover the loss but it was going to mean the end of Ken's ownership of the festival, but it would give him a bit of what Viv got, you know, which is an exit. The deal took a long time. It took months, and it happened over the course of this, you know, poor on sale with Pearl Jam, and so it was a terrible period, a lot of stress, a lot unknown, and I was negotiating to get something done that nobody wanted me to do. People were pissed off. They were pissed off at me for doing the deal, but... It was either AJ came in or we pulled it. 
on Triple J. And in other news, the promoter of Harvest, AJ Matter, who is also the promoter of the Soundwave Festival, is reported to have bought a big stake in the Big Day Out. A number of music industry insiders have told Hack that Matter has bought out Ken West's half of the company. The other half of the company is still owned by C3. When Viv and Ken finished, it should have stopped. First of all, there was no Sahara. Second of all, there was no Viv. But without a Ken, to me, that's not the big day out. The deal was done. Neither Lees or West owned the festival they created. It wasn't easy for Ken to lose his share of his life's work. I've always seen the big day out as my art and I've always seen it as not only a living entity but a sculpture because I'm a sculptor. AJ Matter paid a hefty price for a 50% stake in the big day out. 400,000 in shares, millions in capital. It was just the fact that I grew up at the big day out. You know, the best times of my life. It was incredible being part of it, being on the road with it. And uh, it it was like trying to save my childhood home. (laughs) And uh, I couldn't resist trying to white knight and go and try to save the big day out. The deal was met with criticism. Just days before it was made public, AJ had announced he was cancelling Harvest. Now, whether or not the purchase of the big day out affected AJ Matter's decisions around Harvest is unknown. AJ Matter did not return our calls today to confirm this news and uh, also refused the offer of an interview. Former Big Day Out owner Viv Lees voiced his concerns on Triple J's hack. He's a gambler and he's quite an odious character. This is what happens when businesses merge and this is what happens when businesses are in trouble is that someone comes in and says, I'll help, but there will be a price. From there, it was going to be hell. I left very soon after the arrival of that guy. Johanna Greenway walked out after a decade with the festival. That's when it wasn't the same anymore, so I jumped ship. AJ already had an operation with Soundwave and um, he wanted to move everyone out of the Surrey Hills office and he certain people that he liked and didn't like and there were certain ways that the production was done that he didn't want and there were site managers he had that he didn't want to use over the site managers we had. The big doubt needed more of my time and energy and focus than, you know, Soundwave, Harvest and whatever else was going on at the time. I found it really difficult to work with AJ. Really difficult. So Melbourne event manager Susan Forrester focused on the job at hand. I was in Melbourne and I was under a lot of pressure at the time to secure the international visas. Snoop Dogg was coming. He has a condition that requires medical marijuana, but I had to get that guy in the country because if I didn't get that guy in the country, everything was finished. And interestingly, as soon as I'd secured the visas, I was made redundant. And that was the end, just before Christmas. There was more drama to come. Bad weekend for Blur fans. 
Yeah, the news coming out that Blur have pulled out of the big day out. Uh, no replacement has been announced as yet. They are working on it. Blur cancelled eight weeks out from the festival. In the end, not the best situation for anybody. One of their reasons was a challenging relationship with organisers. The team scrambled to lock in three bands as a replacement. Liam Gallagher's BDI, The Hives and Deftones. But it wasn't enough. I mean, I I was kind of mystified by how bad the ticket sales were. But I think it was more about the brand being tarnished than the actual lineup. I really don't think that in 2014 very much could have saved the big day out. The ship was sinking. I walked into a uh, burning house and I sat on the sofa and just sat there and waited it out. But that was the reality. The tour began. Ross Knight from Cosmic Psychos was there. Look, it was fun, but there was already some rumours about things not going well and there was bands dropping out and there was talk about monies and you could guess that there was a bit of strife going and crowds would seem to be down a little bit right from day one and it, it was no reflection to the bands that were playing there, I think. The big day had almost outsmarted itself by having too much different stuff. Variety and discovery made the big day out a unique experience when it started. In 2014, the music landscape had shifted. Music was easier to discover on the internet, and music festivals were everywhere. Punters were spoiled for choice. Top-tier internationals could be more picky about where and when they played, Ticket sales were so bad, AJ Matter tweeted they wouldn't do a Perth leg in 2015. At that stage, you didn't know, in 2015, there'd be no legs. Tell me, look, the point was that I will come in with a view of writing out this year's disaster and next year we'll have a super lineup, we'll launch it properly and actually, you know, present it to the market properly and we never got the chance because C3 decided they didn't want to do it anymore. Hello, today we brought you the news that the big day out will not go ahead next year and it's a sad day for the most popular festival in Australia's history. It started in 92 when Ken West and Viv Lees booked a band called Nirvana. Yeah, well, this morning, 2am, we got a statement from the American company that now owns the festival, C3, and they said... There will not be a big day out in 2015. We loved working on the big day out and are excited about its future. But does it really have a future and what went wrong? Now, at this point, I'd like to go to a quick reaction to one of the men that actually started the big day out, Vivian Lees. I just think it's even more so. You know, he's a mega dickhead. AJ Matter, some some very harsh words there. I find Vivian and all these claims are hypocritical at this point. At the end of the day, it doesn't really make any difference. You know, I know what I try, I try to save it. I try to save the big day out, despite and perhaps in spite of Vivian Lee's and his intentions. 
AJ Matter sold his 50% share to C3 for $1. I regret what AJ had to go through because he came out of it pretty bad financially. I gave everything to it. The agreement was that AJ could buy his share back for $1 plus capital whenever the festival was brought back. He lost millions. I took my losses on the chin and walked away. The big day out was over. As far as we know, the ownership papers sit in a drawer somewhere in Texas. It's now wholly owned by three guys named Charlie, Charlie and Charles. Greg, I couldn't come into work today. Thanks, Greg. I came for my work today. I work at a fast food restaurant, and they don't give a shit what you do. So I'm here today, and no one knows, and no one cares. It is so effing hot. The boiler room was insane. I was like so close to the front of the stage. Everything was so mental, guys. The big day out was a cultural icon. It was a rite of passage every summer for over two decades. At one point, it was the biggest touring music festival in the world. And it was ours. We're we're not quite sure about something up on stage here. Did we play Blister and Sun yet or did we not do it? We played it already? Okay, so we shouldn't play it because we played it already. Sorry, we forgot. We already played it. No, we didn't play it. Oh, would you like to hear it? Okay, all right, well, go ahead, Brian. There's life before the first big day out and life after the big day out. It is a pinnacle moment. The girth of talent that was trained through the process, stage managers, tour managers, they created a really big beast of a production home for ideas and businesses and people. Every woman that worked on the big day out, somehow in some way, had someone younger underneath them and they mentored and they opened the path for them. I think there was a period in time there that was the best festival in the world and every band I know wants to do it. It became one of those things that, you know, artists around the world and Australian artists too, wanted to be a part of. They all knew of the big day out and they all wanted to play it. It was the one festival that stuck its neck out and went, I'm programming it because it's good, not because it's metal, not because it's dance, not because it's electronic, not because it's indie. I'm programming it because it's great and I think you should see it. It was a real badge of honour, a real prestigious thing. It kind of felt like a big shot when you did those festivals for that day. It gave all the bands the opportunity to play to huge audiences. What a privilege, right? What an unbelievable privilege to be given that experience and to be able to do it more than once at that age and just, it's like a license to just have the time of your life. I think it just opened a lot of eyes and ears to a lot of different things. Whether you were there as a punter, there as a band member, 
part of it was about being young and being part of a movement and being part of a culture yeah, 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 yeah. that was growing. I saw and learnt stagecraft and I learnt what I didn't like. Everything about it, it's woven into me. It's like taking music seriously in Australia and putting the bucks behind it and people going out to see music and making it valid in such a huge way. I mean, that's a massive statement. And I look back on that and that makes me feel incredibly fortunate that I was there, that I happened to be there in that part of time. And it makes me feel warm because it was always, the sun was always shining on the big day out. There would be a certain stage, maybe about five, six o'clock, this ephemeral moment where it would become ecstatic. It's palpable and it would become a proper festive, wonderful experience and that's what I'm proud of most of all. It literally changed the landscape of how artists toured, how punters consumed music, and how we, you know, as a festival, delivered it. It was passionately produced to drag Australia up by the jockstrap or whatever it is to kind of go, your time's come, we're not isolated. It was important, it was really important. That was magnificent, ladies and gentlemen. Double J's Inside the Big Day Out was produced by Gab Burke. Supervising producer, Mike Williams. Executive producer, Megan Loder. Sound engineers, Tim Jenkins and John Jacobs. Original music composition by Hamish Camilleri. Theme music by Lindsay the Dr McDougall. Artwork by Brad Cook. This ABC series was made in partnership with RN's The History Listen. For more weekly music stories, check out Double J's J Files podcast. And hey, if you're at the big day out, why not share this with the friends you were there with? I'm Gemma Pike, and it's been a pleasure taking you inside the big day out. Summer